Every person in this room is living in the aftermath. Some of us are living in the aftermath of sin and destruction that we've created in our own life. Basically, we brought it on ourselves, and now we live with that. Some of us live in the aftermath of sin that was committed against us, and we're trying to figure out how do we not let those wounds define who we are. And overarching both of those kinds of aftermath is a different kind of aftermath. It's the aftermath of the cross where God comes to us and allows us to be covered with grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope and joy. And that's what we try to hang on to as we deal with whatever aftermath we find ourselves in. I was asked the question this past week, what's the piece of advice that I find myself most often giving when I'm doing counseling with people, just kind of talking about stuff? I didn't even have to think about it. It's two words, own it. Just own it. People say, my marriage is falling apart. I'm like, the answer is you need to own it. I blew up a friendship because I was selfish. You need to own it. I find myself addicted to pornography. You need to own that. I'm struggling with God. Then you need to own that too. I got fired for stealing. You need to own that. Whatever it is, it really comes down to ownership. Ownership is the first step towards healing anything that's broken. And until you acknowledge the pain that you caused or acknowledge the pain that was inflicted against you, you can't begin the freeway towards wholeness. It's just not possible. Mike Foster wrote these words, ownership isn't about blame for where the hurts came from. It's about taking responsibility for where we go from here. So we all experience pain at some level. Some of the pain we inflict on ourselves. We went the wrong way. We suffer the consequences. Other people, some of our pain is caused by other people's sin. And our battle is to not allow that wound to become our identity. I want to go old school this weekend. We're going to go back into the Old Testament one more time. And we're going to look at a story. And I hope I'm going to come at it from a completely different and fresh angle. The story of Jonah is a combination of both kinds of pain that I just described. And it's a story of how both parties, those who willfully rebel against God and those who are victims of somebody else's rebellion, how both of those groups of people find hope and healing in God. So if you got a Bible, wrote Jonah chapter 1. If not, you can follow along in the outline along with me. All of the scripture is there. The Bible says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. People have been running away from God for centuries. Running away from God is not an original idea. In fact, it's been going on for so long, we can trace it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. All right? God tries to protect Adam and Eve from the arrogance of believing they could be like God. And then Satan comes along and he twists the protection that God offers. And Adam and Eve strike a template that has been repeated for century after century after century. And as we walk through this story, we're going to go to moments of ownership. And I'm going to ask questions. Are we actually owning the fact that this template has been struck in our own lives? That's your first blank. We need to own the template of running and blame shifting and hiding that started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. We'll get to Jonah in a second, okay? You should read the story in Genesis 3. God offers protection. The snake comes and asks a question, and Eve bites, okay, literally and figuratively. Adam stands silent. He abdicates his role, and they end up hiding, covered in shame, and we have been hiding ever since. We hide behind our masks. We're the funny girl, and we just laugh our pain away hoping that nobody notices. 
We're the party guy. We drain our pain in a mix of rushes and numbing agents. We're the religious person. We do all the right things for all of the wrong reasons. We're the good guy or the good girl, and we always do what we've always done because we actually believe that the best we deserve is what we've always, always had. We're afraid to own the mask, and when somebody actually threatens our true identity, then we begin to blame shift. We say the famous words, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Adam says, blame shift, right? Famous words. This woman that you gave me, you know, there's a classic line for you. Then Eve shows up. This snake lied to me. Both of them. It wasn't me. And we've been following in the same pattern, believing that we're the victim. So we get stuck and we run and we hide and we hope that the pain will go away. We even blame shift the fact that we're blame shifting. Maybe you've caught yourself saying something like this. The only reason I got fired is because my boss was a jerk and they had it in for me the second I walked in the door. Blame shift. I didn't get my homework done because my work partner didn't bring the right book to school and because I was doing other stuff, important stuff, blame shift. The relationship didn't work out because they refused to do the work that needed to be done on themselves, blame shift. We all do it. We hide behind the excuses and it's always everybody else's fault because we refuse to do the two words that we started the message off with. We refuse to own it. So Jonah wants to run and hide. He hops a boat in the opposite direction. The Bible says, and he headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah, okay? If you've ever been hurt by somebody and have dreamed of getting even, this is your moment right here. In this moment, the innocent sailors have the dream. They've got the responsible person right in their hands, and they have an opportunity to own the villain. That's the blank. Let me explain it. Every one of us at some level needs to own the villain. Now, I want you to understand something. These are pagan sailors, okay? They don't know God. They're not interested in knowing God. They're, they're going to get to know God in a few minutes, but they don't know God. So when they own the villain, their methodology is simple. You kill him. Now, even if they were Old Testament people, the Bible had rules for that, right? Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I hurt you. But we're not pagan and we're not Old Testament anymore, are we? So how do we own the villain? I'd actually like you to write down some extra words in your outline. I would say own the villain in the way God intended a villain to be owned. 
If you've ever been wounded by another person, you've dreamed of this moment. This is the moment when you get to make them pay to hurt them as much as they hurt you. Here's the issue. God knows something. God knows that when you take revenge against a person, it does not heal the hole in your soul or heal the wound. It feels good for about a sixteenth of a second, and then that good feeling is gone. So God proposes something un thinkable. Remember, we are not Old Testament anymore. We are not pagan believers anymore, or not pagans anymore, pagan believers. That's a good connection there, right? God has called us to a new level, and here's what He says in Romans chapter 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, people react to that, right? They respond to that. It's just like, Grant, you have no idea what that person did to me. Their pain, that wound is in a completely different category. Now, before you react, I want you to know something. This is what I love about God. God never asks anyone to do anything He's not willing to do Himself. And when my sin and your sin was wounding and killing His Son, He did not repay evil for evil, but He did the very thing He asks you to do forgive. That's what He asks you. We were the villain, and God could have owned us in that morning. He chose not to. Now, let me say it again. I've said it before. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not minimizing. It's not deflecting. Forgiveness is not pretending it didn't happen. Forgiveness does not mean that the person who hurt you has to have access to your life. In fact, it could mean exactly the opposite if you have good boundaries. Forgiveness means you refuse to be held captive by somebody else's sin. That's forgiveness. So they got him, right? He's right there in front of them. The Bible goes on and says, so they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Jonah replied, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? So can you imagine this moment? It's just like, who are you? I'm a Hebrew. I'm with the God who made this ocean, and He's really frustrated right now with me. Isn't that good information to have, right? It's like, oh, that's great, awesome. Now your rebellion is affecting my life. In fact, in brackets, it says there, they knew He was running away from the Lord because He'd already told them self. So here's what's difficult about this story, okay? The sailors are not responsible for the sin of Jonah but they are responsible how they react and respond to the sin of Jonah. If a sin has ever been committed against you, you're not responsible for the sin that was committed against you, but you are responsible for how you react and respond to that. I'm not responsible when a sin is committed against me, but I am responsible for how I respond and react. And speaking from experience... If you've ever been wounded by another human being, let me put it to you this way. You need to own the wound before the wound owns you. 
okay? You own the wound when you accept that your wound was devastating and painful, but if you give it so much power, if you give it too much power, that wound will define you. So my responsibility is I've got to acknowledge that it happened and then it hurt, but I also need to take responsibility for the fact that God wants to heal it. And He doesn't want, to be, doesn't want me to be known for that particular wound. So let's go personal. I got, I got wounded once, big time. And I let that wounding fester in my soul. I picked at it, I made it bleed, I held on to it, I fixated on it, and instead of allowing God to heal it, I made it my personal purpose and mission to play the victim. There are people in this room, and you don't like me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, you've become a professional victim. Everything in your life is done to you, and you just hide inside of that identity. Can I tell you something? God loves you too much to allow you to stay there. I played the victim until God began to soften my heart and I realized that the only person that was suffering in the situation was me. I was the only one carrying it around. So I made a decision, God, if you want to heal this, you can heal it. Do you know how you know when your wounding has been healed? When you can turn your wound into an opportunity to share about the grace and mercy of God that got you through that pain, when you can verbalize that out loud, it's been healed. The sailors couldn't fix Jonah's rebellion. They also couldn't allow themselves to get stuck in the aftermath. Let's keep going. Verse 11 says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Okay, I want you to remember that. This is Jonah's idea, okay? Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah makes a bold step here. He owns it. He stands up. It's just like, I'm the reason this storm is happening. I'm the reason you guys are suffering. I am the reason. Can, can we stop there just for a second? Because sometimes when our problem actually stands up and identifies itself, that may actually be the problem, right? When the problem stands up and says, I'm it. When your gambling problem stands up and says, you want to know the reason why your finances are messed up? I'm it. Sometimes we need to just look at that and go, that's it right there. When your controlling nature, nature stands up and says, you're creating devastation because you have to be in control of everything. When that, when that problem stands up and identifies itself, we may need to look at that and go, that would be a problem. And I need to deal with that problem. Jonah makes a bold step here. He owns it. What does that teach us? It teaches us that we need to own what is yours to own. Using recovery language, we need to clean our side of the street. Because there are human beings in this room, I know something to be true, okay? Every person in this room has hurt somebody. It may be a spouse, it may be a friend, it may be a coworker, it could have been a child, it could have been a parent. You show that you can own the pain that you have caused when you're willing to make amends. That is not an easy thing to do. So for my 12-step brothers and sisters, my heroes who walk through this, you know that making amends is step nine. You know, it's amazing to me 
85% of people drop out of 12 steps. It's either step four, which is the fearless moral inventory, or step nine, when we got to go back and make things right with other people, okay? In step nine, we clean our side of the street. And I'll tell you something. Making amends goes against everything inside of our soul that wants to downplay the effect that our pain has had on somebody else. It just wants to minimize the damage so that we can somehow cope with the fact that we actually hurt somebody else. We want to just put it behind us. We want to forget about it, but we can't. Why? Because we need to own it. We need to do the hard work. I hated making amends. I hated making myths until I got on the other side of it and realized that God honors people who are willing to go and make things right. I mean, in my own journey, I've lost track of the number of times I've had to go back to my wife, to my kids, and say these incredibly difficult human words. I was wrong. Those are the words we're supposed to use. Just so you know, I'm sorry is for cowards. Because the question is, just exactly what are you sorry for? Right? Nod your head, 8.30, come on, the righteous folks of the early morning, right? I was wrong actually says, I did something to hurt you, and I want to take responsibility for it so that you don't have to carry it anymore. Because it's mine to carry. And you know where I'm going to carry it? I'm going to carry it to the foot of the cross where Jesus grants grace, mercy, and forgiveness for my sin. Jonah's willing to own it and pay the price for his disobedience. He tells the sailors, this is what you've got to do to save yourself from the pain that I've caused. You need to throw me overboard. Now, here's what's amazing. Their response is so unbelievably classic, okay? You would think if the problem stood up and said, here's how to deal with me, you should probably just deal with the problem the way the problem says it needs to be dealt with. But that's not what happens. Verse 13, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. This is just classic, right? Instead of dealing with the problem head on. Now, don't start thinking that the answer to all of your problems is to start throwing people overboard, okay? I want you to remember, remind you, this was Jonah's idea. This is how you're going to have to deal with that. But don't just walk out of here going, Grant said, you're gone, and you're gone, and you're gone. I mean, you've got people flying out of the van on the way home from church today, okay? It's not the point, all right? But it, it's amazing to me that instead of dealing with the problem head on, they try and work their way out of it. The Bible says they rode harder, and we do that, don't we? We have different words for it, right? We use little catchphrases. We say, no, 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 press in, suck it up, move on, pretend it didn't happen, focus, take a class on avoidance, dig a little deeper, be the champion, and every other motivational catchphrase you can think of. Do it on your own, use your own strength, come on, for the love of God, row harder. You know what the answer was? The answer was to throw the real source of pain into an ocean of forgiveness and trust. That was the answer. But instead, what did these guys do? They did what human beings do. They tried to work harder. Watch me, God. Look at me do all of these really cool things. I went to church. I went to church on Super Bowl Sunday. That's got to count for something, doesn't it? We try to work harder instead of dealing with the problem that God has allowed to be identified right in front of us. 
And I'd love to tell you, I'm an expert on this one. I was a good Baptist kid. I mean, we had working our faith. We had that down. I tried to manage my hurt and the hurt that I caused. I tried to preach my way out of it, pray my way out of it, serve my way out of it, fight my way out of it. The one piece that I didn't do was try to own my way out of it. Let's keep going. So what else does this story teach us? It teaches us that we need to own the fact your best effort has not created the peace that you desire. I mean, it says they row, but the storm gets worse. Anybody ever experienced that before? You're trying so hard to get out of what you got yourself into, and it just gets worse. The harder you row, the more the storm seems to get going. Why? Because we didn't deal with the problem that was right in front of us. Listen to these tough sailors in verse 14. Then they cried out to the Lord. Isn't that how it often works, right? I got a problem. I can handle it. And I push myself into taking care of that problem. All I can. And when I get to the very end of the road, when I got nothing left in the tank, what do I do? Oh, Jesus, please help me. Has anyone ever thought about the wisdom of flipping that whole equation over and before the problem even surfaces, saying, God, help me. God, help me. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Okay, saying it again, the answer to your issue is not throwing people overboard, Okay. Jonah's idea. But isn't it amazing? The problem identifies itself. They finally do what they know that they are supposed to do. And what happens? Calm. Here's the point. We need to own the fact that ownership means doing something painfully hard. For these guys, I mean, do you hear their prayer? They're actually praying, God, don't don't judge us for this. They're basically saying, it was his idea, it's his rebellion, it's affected us, but now we're going to do this. We may all need to do something painfully hard. For some of us, you may need to release the bitterness that you've held against somebody else. In fact, that bitterness has become such a part of your life, it's actually like a friend to you. You can't picture your life without it. You know where the bitterness needs to go? over the side of the boat. You may need to let a grudge go that you've been holding on to and nursing. You may actually need to go back to that person and say, I've held a grudge against you for many, many, many years. I need you to forgive me. You may need to go back and pay restitution for something that you did wrong in order to feel the peace and experience the peace that God has for you. I'm not going to use his name. There's a man in our church right now who just finished paying $12,000 in restitution. And he's one of the most joyful people I've ever met because that burden has been completely taken off of his shoulders. You know where that came from? The Holy Spirit of God told him, you need to make that right. That guy's my hero. You may need to actually finish a 12-step journey. Let me get up on this little soapbox for a second, Okay. A 12-step journey is not when you do the first three steps four times. 
Most people never have the courage to get to step four because it's too painful to do that fearless moral inventory when you got to lay out your garbage on paper in front of yourself to see. It's not the answer. You may need to toss your attitude over the side in order to experience the peace that God has for you. So here's what they do. They take Jonah at his word and just like we cried out to God, threw him over the side, everything goes calm. Verse 16, at this, men, at this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. We need to only f- own the fact that only God can heal the wounds on our soul. We need to own the fact that only God can give us peace for the chaos that we've created or the chaos that we have to live in because of the sins of others. Whether you're the villain of the pain you, and, and you used to hurt others or you're the victim of the pain of another person, only God can bring peace for chaos, beauty for ashes, hope for hopelessness, and healing for your hurt. Verse 17, the story wraps up. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Can we own something here at the story that I think we've gotten wrong? Probably the longer you've been in church, the longer you've gotten this wrong. At the end of this story, we need to own a fact. We need to own the fact that that God's fish was salvation, not punishment. Think about it for a second. You get thrown overboard, you only can tread water for so long. And so God appoints a fish to go and pick up a rebellious prophet. I can just imagine how that conversation went. Hey, you, big mouth with the tail over there. See that guy? He's got a big mouth too. Swallow, don't chew, all right? (laughs) And take him back exactly where he was supposed to go. The fish was God's salvation. You know what amazes me when I read Jonah chapter 1 again this past week? The villain got mercy. And the people who lived in the aftermath of his rebellion... They got mercy too. Everybody in the story ends up giving praise and honor to God. Now, does the prophet get fixed? Uh Uh-uh. You should read the rest of Jonah. God's just taken him to attitude school. But in this moment, because Jonah owns it, and because the sailors own it, they end up coming face to face with Almighty God the God of earth and sky and sea. So what do you need to own? You knew this moment was coming, right? For some of you, you need to own the fact that you blew up a bunch of relationships. And today, your spiritual homework is to go home and type that email or write that letter or pick up that call or knock on that door. Not tomorrow, not the next day, today. Because today's the day. For some of you, you, you've held so much responsibility and now the wound that somebody inflicted on you, that's become your identity. It's time for you to use that as a platform. We have women in our church 
who were raped. You know how they're owning that? They were not responsible for that despicable act. But they're owning their response to it. And now, you know what they do? They volunteer in rape crisis centers. And they sit with other victims. And they say things like, this does not need to define you. You are God's daughter. He thinks you're beautiful. And they do that beautiful healing work out of their own pain. We need to own it. In fact, I looked through our program today. There's a bunch of opportunities to be able to own some stuff. Let's just have an honest moment. If your personal finances are a complete mess, I mean, they are jacked up, you need to own it. It's time to own it and start doing it God's way. How do you show that you own it? You show it through action, right? So we have a class here. It's called the Financial Peace University. People leave extraordinary amounts of debt in that room when they start doing things God's way. So if you're in that particular situation, own it, all right? Some of you are just like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know the purpose in my life. I have no idea why God created me this way. You need to own your own identity. One of the great first steps you can take is taking a discovery class with Pastor Mark Warren and his team. Our church is so blessed to have that resource available to every person. You'll walk in there, and I promise you, you'll walk out with a greater understanding of why God designed you the way that you're designed and how to take those special gifts and skills and abilities and use them for His glory and for His grace. You need to own it. Some of us need to own the fact that God has done a revolutionary work in our life. In a couple of weeks, we're doing it again. We're going to baptize people. And some of you have never gone public with your faith in Jesus. You've never said before people, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because that's what saved me. And I want to challenge you. If you want to show that you can own your faith, pull a reverse Jonah. Think about it. Pull a reverse Jonah and do a cannonball into that baptismal tank. And allow some other former rebellious pagan sailors to put you under the water and bring you back up out of the water, fully engaged in your identity in Jesus Christ. I dare you to pull a reverse Jonah and get wet and stop using the excuse, well, I don't want to get my hair wet. Are you kidding me? Opportunity to own it. Ownership is when we say before God, I get it. Jonah owned it. The sailors owned it. And today, in God's grace, and in God's power, and in God's mercy, we can all own what we need to own to. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you that we live in the aftermath of your grace and goodness. Father, I thank you that you alone are the God who brings home rebel prophets, converts pagan sailors, and touches the people who come each week to worship you at Christ the King Community Church in Bellingham, Washington. So Father God, in this moment, I thank you that we live in the aftermath of your grace and mercy and forgiveness. God, would you give us courage this week to own it, Lord, whatever the problem is that stands in front of us and identifies itself as the problem, Father God, I pray that we would go to great lengths in your strength and in your power 
to be able to own that problem and walk the freeway towards the place of freedom and peace. God, I pray for those who right now know what they need to do today. Father, I pray that you would give them strength and courage to dial the number or knock on the door. Father, I pray for those who've been deeply wounded by other people's sin. And I pray today that they would no longer allow themselves to be defined by that. But instead they would be asking the question, God, where do you want me to go from here? How can I use this wound to honor and glorify you? Father God, would you help each one of us as we live in the aftermath? Lord, may our lives today be filled with the same joy and hope that came to the sailors when they identified the God of the Bible as the God of all. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.